morning, Hope, Jersey City. Um, the, the Word of God comes to us today from Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It's a short one, but I'd like to invite some of you who can uh, to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So we're in a series, and this is number four in the series of going through the Beatitudes, looking at what Christian character looks like, and how Jesus uh, gives us this, um, this like three-part formula Blessed are those who, and then they will be, right? And so uh, this week we're looking at righteousness and, and hungering and thirsting after that. Um, to, be, to be honest, uh, as I was looking at this word, and it's been a long time since I've like dug in. Um, usually I'm just reading through, right? Um, I, got, I got a little frustrated because I, I was looking at this word righteousness and I, and I realized like I didn't know what it meant. I, I, what is righteousness? It's, it's so, it's so um, there's so many meanings. And the reason why I didn't know what it meant was because, like, when you read the Bible, uh, for example, in Romans 3, um, 11 to 12, uh, Paul talks about that there's no one righteous, right? He's, he's quoting Ecclesiastes 7 and Psalm 14. And he's saying there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who does good, not even one. So I looked up those passages, right, and went back and, and then I, and I fell on Psalm 14, and in Psalm 14, just a few verses later, after, after David says all this, he says, God is present in the company of the righteous. So I'm like, what? <laughs> but you just said, no one's righteous, and then yet there are righteous people? It's bizarre, right? It's like, that's like, that makes you just want to do this, like, all right. <laughs> um, and then I realized, like, how much I... I missed, like when I was ministering years ago, um, I was always looking at words like that. And now that I'm working, I never see words like this, right? Like, I, you know, I see words like pipeline and, you know, project and team. And you'll never see those words in here, right? I and mean, you'll never see these words in there. And when I look at it, it just feels alien to me actually trying to study it. Um, and I just was praying and, and, and trying to look at context. And, and then I, I just came and boiled it down to kind of this thing. I mean, Martin Luther is helpful in this because he has this thing called like two kinds of righteousness. But there's a chart that I made that might be helpful. On the left side, you have like left column, you have vertical, horizontal, and spiral righteousness. And then all the words after that are kind of other ways of saying those things, right? And at the very end is like the theological or religious way of saying it. Um, and so I'm going to stick to the one on the left because I like, I like visuals. You can just see the straight lines, vertical, vertical, horizontal, and then spiral. This little weird, weird spiral thing that has to do with us, right? Our, how God helps us to become righteous. Uh, and so with that in mind, the question is then, in this passage, which one is he talking about? I don't really know. And, and I think this is kind of limiting too. Like, 
I'm not saying this is it. I'm just saying this is helpful. And I don't really know what, what might be meant in chapter 5 or 6 of Matthew, but I have an inkling that it, it's kind of this general, like all of it, holiness, wholeness, the whole thing. And so I'm going to be talking about that today. And um, it's just to say this, that Jesus promises to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, what he promises is satisfaction. Satisfaction guaranteed. And what we learn here is that through this diagram that I showed you is, is three things. That when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, um, the next slide, uh, he makes us right with ourselves, he makes us right with each other, and he makes us right with God in, in all those ways. All right? Um, but before I begin, um, I need to give a little preface. How do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Like if you haven't, if you don't feel it. I, and, I, and I know that, to be honest, most of the day, most of the weeks, this is not the f- at the forefront of my mind. I'm not thinking, man, I'm just longing to be better Longing to be righteous in these three ways. Um, And I'm going to go straight to application here. Uh, The the application that I want to share here is... No, let's let's talk about this first. Um, During the pandemic, you guys all missed something. You always craved something. You know what I craved? It's really hard to do at home. Is um, eating oysters. I know, right? It's like, ah, the texture... But I miss, more than that, I miss after work, texting my wife, I'll meet you here, or you meet someone in, somewhere in the city, and you just take a deep breath of that New York City grime, that, that, that grimy smog, you know all this weird, like foreign dust is going into your lungs, but it just smells so good. And, and then you walk together and you talk, and then you eat those oysters, and they're so fresh and nice. And I miss that. And these are things that I crave, but you might crave, I don't know, butternut squash or uh, steak or something, right? Um, And we all crave these different things. Um, The problem is like, the problem is that there are many things that we crave and many different things that we crave. And the first thing that that we need to be helped with is how to regain that hunger. And... I said I was going to go right to application. This simply means this. That Janice, my wife, used to hate oysters. She used to think they're so gross. But I told her, I said, you've got to have good oysters. And, and, then, and also half price. Because you're paying full price, you might not, you know, <laughs> not make you happy. My, life, my wife likes to save. Um, and what I learned from that experience is that Hunger can be acquired. Craving can be learned. And learned primarily through our relationships. And so why does the church exist? Uh, For many reasons, but one of the big reasons is we find people who have that hunger. And my suggestion is when you find them, you don't just think, how can I get that hunger? But how do you pour into them too? And find those people and cultivate spiritual friendships with them. Find people, uh, and how do you ID them? How do you identify people who are hungry? Uh, People who pray unceasingly. Um, You can't pray like that unless you're hungry for God. 
people who pray unceasingly, people who love the word and see Christ in and through it, and people whose lives show the character of Christ. And not just by their upbringing, not just by pedigree, not just by you know, uh, temperament, right? But looking at the whole trajectory of a person's story and see where they are and where they've come. And where they've come, it might, be, might not be palatable even to you or me, right? You might just be like, ah, oh, what's wrong with this guy? But, but you look at their life and you see where God has brought them. Find such people. Such people make us hungry, hungry for God, hungry for righteousness. And also the word. So like the word of God, the Bible, as some of you know, if you've ever heard my messages, you know that it, means, it has a special place in my heart, just like all of us. But um, the word, the way that I like to see this, and the confusion that even I had about righteousness, you're all going to have. But the Bible is like a mosaic, right? If you have a few pieces, it makes no sense. But the more pieces you have, the picture becomes clear. And yes, we have tools online where you can do like all these searches, but the best tool, the best software is up here. The more you have the Word of God in here, you have the answer in the moment. You don't have to pick up your phone and be like, oh, what, is, what, is, what was that passage again? It comes out. You might know that, not know the, the, the verse, or chapter and verse, but it's in you. That's what helps us hunger, to fill our, filling ourselves with such things. So, okay, now I've spent a lot of time on that. Let's go into how he makes us right with ourselves, spiral righteousness. Um, well, after he's given us some hunger, I have to ask this question. God, why don't you satisfy every hunger? Like, this passage, in my mind, should say, blessed are you who hunger, for you will be satisfied. Or, right, just hunger in general. Why does God care about, why does Jesus care about righteousness? And I think he cares so much about righteousness, and he highlights it here because he cares so much about the fact that we're being eaten by sin. Sin, you look at it as a soul-devouring virus, and God sees it as such. And if that's true, then he cares about righteousness because it's, it's the opposite of that, right? It's the departure from that. So he cares about this because, and he uses like the hunger, uh, I think he uses the hunger um, kind of illustration or example because sin is like this thing where it promises to, it promises to satisfy this particular area of your life. But in the same time, it's like a magician. It's like, look over here. And in the same time, it's eating this other area of your life, right? It's like adultery. I'll fulfill this thing that you have in your body that you need physically, chemically, emotionally. But over here, I'm going to destroy your family. Um, we talk about envy. Uh, envy holds the promise of satisfaction. But over here, as you're, as, you're, as you're feeling envious and covetous, over here, I'm destroying your joy. I'm destroying... Uh, your gladness and your thankfulness. And so that's what sin does. But I'm going to stop at one sin. And the reason why I want to stop at this one sin is because I think it's the sin that, that basically steals even your appetite for God. And what do I mean then by that? Um, it's the sin of greed. It destroys appetite. 
I'm going to read to you a passage in Matthew 6, 19 to 34. Uh, and just parts of that, not the whole thing. Uh, and the reason why I'm reading this is because it comes right after the one we read. The next chapter, right? Jesus says this. It's kind of like a summary statement of all the stuff he's already said. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, right? Eat or drink. Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, right? And his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. See, greed, it's connected to this worry that asks, what shall we eat? What shall we wear? I'm just hungry for this stuff. I want that stuff, right? Because I'm worried. And so if greed is connected to worry, right, then greed is like, or if greed is a, um, well, let's just say it like this. Greed is like the Snickers bar of spirituality. Do you guys remember? Okay, I don't know, man, I'm old. I'm getting old. Um, do you guys remember in the early 90s? There's a hunger inside you. Right? You remember that? Ooh. The guy in the skis, he's like in the snow. And he, it, it, right? And then <laughs> Snickers, right? Uh, and then the tagline was, Snickers really satisfies. He's a three-part, right? Snickers really satisfies. Just like, blessed are those who, um, you will be satisfied. <laughs> Greed is a Snickers, man, of, of, of uh, spirituality because it squashes your appetite. And, and so, how God helps us by helping us hunger, by, through the community of, of Christ, through the people surrounding you right now, and through the message that you hear, is that he teaches us and he helps us to hunger for the right things, for the things of God. And when we hunger for the things of God, my, uh, my kind of theory is that you can't hunger for that other stuff when you're hungering for God. It's hard. Like, I'm already hungering for God. God hates us. This is the opposites. And slowly but surely, you become this person who's like digging into the word, Who's, who's pouring over sermons, who's, who's meeting with other people and sharing your prayer requests and praying for people. And you become this person slowly but surely. You're not only being satisfied, but that hunger is, is a good hunger that's growing inside of us. So that's the first, right? Um, and I'd like to go to the second, which is, oh, I'm just, Jesus satisfies us by making us right with others. I'm not going to spend too much time here. The reason why is because I'm going to leave room for, and if you haven't heard the messages before this, you should read those, uh, listen to those. And if you, haven't, if you haven't been here for long, stick around for the next ones, right? Um, and I'm saying that because those messages will address more and more of how God, how Jesus satisfies uh, by making us right with others. And so when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, uh, he does that. Matthew chapter 9 even shortly after the passage we're looking at, there's a scene where Jesus is eating with Matthew, the tax collector, and all his friends, his buddies. He's eating with all the gangsters and the prostitutes and the, and the, and the really bad people. People that you and I, you know, I, maybe, maybe you. <laughs> um, maybe you just feel like, whoa, that's kind of, they're, they're kind of sketchy, right? Um, um, 
He's eating with those people. And the religious people, they have a framework for what righteousness is. They have an idea of what's right and wrong. And they're looking at Jesus and they're saying, you're eating with these people. You're not supposed to do that. You're a teacher. You have a responsibility. And Jesus says, guys, I didn't come here for the righteous. I came here for sinners. And if those guys knew anything, those religious people knew anything, they would know that no one is righteous. And Jesus is referring to that. Jesus says, I came here for people who know that about themselves. So if Jesus did that, right, what does that mean? What does that actually mean? It means this. Oh, what does that mean for us? It means that if you and I, if we don't really understand where righteousness, vertical, horizontal, and spiral, righteousness comes from, we're lost. We'll never be right with people. We'll never be right with people. So I thought about this again, and I had another question of God. <laughs> this is what you're supposed to do. When you're reading the Bible, you're supposed to keep asking questions of God and journal it. I said, God, isn't righteousness supreme? Why do we have the Beatitudes? There should be one Beatitude. Pursue righteousness. Hunger for righteousness. And that's it. Forget about all the other stuff. But before this message, there was, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the meek. After this message, you're going to find, blessed are the merciful, and blessed are those who are pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Why is this righteousness thing bookended by meekness and mercy? Think about it. It's bookended by meekness and mercy because if you don't have meekness and if you don't have mercy, righteousness will be the worst thing that's ever happened to you and me. What's, what else can make you and me more proud, more arrogant, and more insufferable than being right with God, being right with people, and being right with myself. There's nothing more toxic than that if you don't have meekness, if you don't have mercy. So Jesus was saying that. When he, said, when he spoke to the Pharisees, when they accused him of being, eating with sinners, he said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And he's saying, you can't, you can't reduce the character of the Christian just to righteousness. So, um, so to be right with others, and that's why I said, you know, stick around for mercy, stick around for, for uh, peacemaking, because that's part of being right with others. To be right with others is to celebrate and to facilitate the wholeness of the other because of mercy, and because you know that what you got, you didn't get by yourself. Amen? Um, and then the last is this. Jesus satisfies by making us right with God, the vertical righteousness. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, Paul says this. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. God's righteousness is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. What did God's righteousness look like when it was revealed? Right? And if you ask that question, then you have to ask this. Who's the giver of that third section of each of these Beatitudes? Who's the giver? Class? God. God's the giver. 
right? And how does he give? How does he give it? Uh, is it like, is there like an invisible funnel that comes from heaven into my heart that just, just fills me with, you know, all this goodness and being poor in spirit, right? All the, kind of like, in the world, it's like bad stuff, like stuff you don't want to be, right? Um, the answer that, by reading the word and, and studying this, the answer that I had come up with is, when I looked at each of these, I couldn't help but see him, right? I mean, who was poor in spirit but Jesus? But instead of, instead of a kingdom, he was given a crown of thorns, right? Who mourned like Jesus mourned? Not for, not, not for himself, but for others. But instead of being comforted, right, he was killed. Who was meek and as humble as him? But instead of inheriting the earth, he was buried under it. Who was thirsty and hungry on a cross, but was only given the cup of God's wrath? Blessed are you means I am making all things new in you because everything that you couldn't do and I couldn't do, he did. And he gave us and he credited to us everything that he did. All of these qualities that we're supposed to strive for, he's already completed. He's the giver. There's no spiral, there's no horizontal, there's no vertical righteousness that's even possible without Jesus. That's the Christian faith. Um, my wife, Janice, uh, we were talking some years ago about gurus. I don't know why. I forgot why. But we were talking about gurus and how, and I was, t- I was telling her, like, gurus are interesting, you know, like, they have these fo- this following, and then they, 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 they teach for a number of years, but they don't write anything down. But when they die, all their disciples get together, and they start to, like, write all this stuff, all their teachings. And then people just keep adding to it. And she says, oh, that's really interesting. It seems like that's like most religions or every religion. It's like in every religion, a man um, becomes, a, becomes a word, a book. But in Christian faith, it's the word or a book that becomes a man. In the same spirit, I'd like to say this. In other religions, the gods come and they bring um, the bread and the wine, right? Here, here. Jesus does that too, but he does it like insanely, like thousands of people are eating, right? Like multiple times. And he even turns water into wine. It's only in the Christian faith that he doesn't only just bring the wine and the bread, but he becomes the bread and the wine that we eat, that we're sustained by, that we are saved by. And not only that, we're connected by because all who, t- who partake in the bread and the wine partake in his body and his blood. And we become one through that. Amen? No matter what you believe otherwise, he's the center now of those who hunger and thirst. If we can believe him, and this is my last thing, this is, <laughs> if we can have faith in God about our jobs, about our health, about our family. Why can't we trust him for righteousness? To make whole the
the parts of our lives that aren't whole. Not only in this life, but especially in the life to come. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be satisfied. Would you pray with me? Father God, I pray for those of us who want to hunger and thirst for you and for your righteousness. That you put people in our lives who can, who can show us the way. I pray that you bring us up and you open our ears and our minds and that we would listen to you and hear you and be amazed by you and want more. I pray, Father God, that those who feel right now, and this is what I kept seeing as I was praying for today and I was praying for your people, Lord. I, I just kept seeing prison bars, stone-cold walls, and shackles. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that those shackles fall off our hands and feet and those prison doors open in Jesus' name. And that whatever we felt like we couldn't do or whatever we felt held back by and whatever we felt kept us enclosed would be no more. And Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you lift us up and you bring us out. And would you satisfy us, Lord, by the righteousness that was revealed from heaven in your Son, Jesus Christ. May you grow our faith in you and grow us strong together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for that word. Um, in church, as we prepare uh, for the Lord's table, uh, we remember Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who's called us to share in this meal together. He's called us personally, individually,